Take your shoes off before you go. All right, we're there. Lord be with you. Let us pray. Bless the Lord as God's all holy scriptures written for our learning. Grant to a man such wise, hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. That by patience and comfort of thy holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast. Blessed hope of everlasting life, which has given us in our Savior Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Morning to all. Hello. We are Psalm 8 today. Go online, Jim, Phyllis, Joan, who's hiding, Robert, who's hiding, Elizabeth now has come out from hiding. That's good to be seen because that they, if you know, we're, we're all on camera, like you can't do that, you know, all you can go out and misbehave all kinds of ways, you know. <laughs> Actually, I was, I was doing morning, getting ready for morning prayer this morning. I realized when I was setting up, I went like, I didn't have to move my camera, so I was thinking, did I, did I do something weird when I was yeah, right. not aware yeah. that I was on? Yeah. Have you ever that like, uh, uh, yes. like you didn't know did you, you were on? Like, or, like or did I? What did I? You know? Do not hit the mic. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I had that, I had that moment this morning. Yeah. Oh, I've been on for a couple minutes. What are you? Oh, oh, no. Dawn of me was kind of it was kind of a, like a uh, a thing for uh, the Christian life in the sense that well that we think oh who is watching. Well, Maybe we should just always do what we should do. Yeah. Exactly. So we we, we worry about it so much, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Instead of instead of um, thinking about, oh, okay, now, okay, now put my public face. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Then when no one's watching me, I would be the you know the act ass and all that stuff. So. Um, boy, roll up the sleeves and get to work here. I'm so warm. You're warm. I'm always warm. I had a little coffee warms me up. I'm I have a, the kind of body that warms up in a hurry. It's like a so, why oh, so it's cool? I'm always hot. The spirit that in, in dwells in. Okay. <laughs> I, I left you speechless. Yeah. Because <laughs> he knows you. All right. So, all right. Well, let's jump. Let's look at Psalm 8. Um, okay. And, uh, we have the same kind of issue, are we? Make sure you're, if you're joining us online, make sure your mic is muted. Joan, your, your mic, is, mic is not muted, so if you can make sure your mic is muted. Oh, okay. Um, it's up in the middle of the screen, the top, just there's where the microphone is. Um, there, I, did I do it? No, uh, no. No, we can hear you. Oh. Well, my computer wasn't working, and I'm on my phone, so it's tiny, and I can't see. Well, I'll, I'll do a little. Uh, unfortunately, on my iPad, I don't have the, the, um, the access, but I will take care of it here. Okay, thank you. There's still <laughs> Oh, you don't. <laughs> well, it's, it's out of sight right now. I, 
I know, Benny, oh. I think his name is. Benny. Oh, Benny. Benny. Benny and Robert. Yeah. Benny and Roberts. <laughs> and Jones is Kelly, right? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Her name is Kelly. Davis, yeah. Yeah. You have little things, don't you? One. One. Monica. Monica. <laughs> Real person. Of course. That was our. <laughs> I remember her coming to look at Diana at the senior house at once. Yes, yes. Yes, she still does that. She does. Mm -hmm. She can't go downstairs. And she's too little to. Oh, yeah. She she would flip over. So she stays up there and she looks through my balcony. Uh Wasn't that the artist? Teens job. Oh, this is one the only actual. Oh, yeah, sure. 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 Oh, so I mean, they have some Now we can't hear you. How's that? Great. Okay, good, good. There's uh, a lot of things going on computer-wise here, so, all right. Um, so this is a song that's going to have some focus for us um, on the incarnation. And, um, and it's connection to the larger sweep of the biblical story, including the creation of Adam, and then our own uh, connection to Adam and and Christ. So let's um, let's just read let's just read through it and pick it up as we as we encounter it. Um, so Psalm eight begins, "O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all of the earth." who have set your glory above the heavens. So it begins with the praise of God. Oh, Lord. Now, if you look at your Bibles, um, what do you notice is different about the first? I don't know what your translation is, but the first Lord should look different than whatever the second word is, how how it's typeset. It's lighter. The first Lord is lighter than mine. Bold, Bold print. The first one's all caps. All caps. Is oh, first one, or, or, or what we call small caps, where the first letter is a little bit bigger than the other, but they're all caps. And whenever you see that Lord in the, um, in the uh, Bible, 
Um, it tells you this is the name of God, because the convention of, of uh, the name of God, which traditionally was referred to as Jehovah, but now usually in contemporary scholarship they want to say Yahweh. All it is is four Hebrew consonants that, that you supply vowels for, because the Hebrew Bible doesn't have any, any vowels. You, you have to supply them. <laughs> and um, what we're usually dealing with is something called the, the Masoretic text, where the Masoretes supplied sounds based on common pronunciations to, 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 to be able to read. So um, when it says, O Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, our Lord, it's confessing that God is Lord. It's, a, it's looking forward for us, it would be Jesus is Lord. You know, O Jesus, our Lord. So it's acknowledging that Yahweh, the God of Israel, is the Lord. How excellent is your name in all the earth? We talked about the, the, the global um, excellency of God's name, who has set your glory above the heavens. And what would that would be, you know, just the glory would here, I think, be just thought of as the natural beauty of the stars and the sky and the grandeur of look what God has made uh, in creation. And um, in that way, because a lot of the psalm is going to hearken to the gen to Genesis account of the creation of uh, man or Adam, the idea that we begin with the sort of praise of the glory of God in all creation is um, is significant. Um, so Yahweh is Lord. He said, "Glory in all the earth, above the heavens." And then verse two kind of brings it down a little more locally, <clears throat> out to the mouth mouth of babes and nursing infants. You have ordained strength. So there's a paradox here hmm. that that. And this is something that's brought out in the New Testament in, in fairly bright relief that God's strength is shown in humble things. Ah. So um, <clears throat> you've ordained strength uh, out of babies and nursing infants. Mm -hmm. This 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 is uh, <clears throat> and it's going to be a little bit here, perhaps. Uh, I, I don't, although I don't think it's. Uh, an imagery that's contrary to the meaning of the psalm, although not explicit, that um, sort of dependent children who are leaning upon their mother's breasts are the way God, the innocent are how God conquers things. And somebody in the New Testament said, lest you become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And it is our trust in God, our humble trust in God, that enables God's power to work through us in a pretty powerful way. So um, I think that's the, the contrast being here to the grandeur, you know, earth, the glory of God, exiting the heavens, but out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you've ordained strength because of your enemies. You might silence the enemy of the avenger. Um, and, it, and it does um, at least subtly allude to the conquest of the Incarnation. How is God going to 
um, silence the enemy and the avenger, the, the one who opposes God. He's going to do it by the incarnation, mm-hmm. by, the, by, by becoming actually a, a, a babe and a nursing infant. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's going to end and this humble obedience through the death on the cross is going to be what conquers the enemy and the avenger. So then um, it, the, it, we kind of continue on in, in a meditation on that when I consider your heaven as the work of your fingers, which is, uh, you know, you, there's a lot of the idea that God works through his fingers, but also it's like, this is just the whole heaven, but God just kind of doing a little craft. <laughs> it doesn't take a, you know, he, he just... Uh, the moon and the stars that you have ordained, please meditate, consider and meditate on these things. That the, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? Now, man and son of man here, we've already talked about this Christological center of the Psalms. And so man um, here, and, and in the parallels, uh, there's two different words for man used here, son of man, son of man, but one of them is Adam. Because in, in the Genesis account of creation, when it says that God created Adam, there's actually a little bit of a translational difficulty because um, sometimes in Genesis, the English versions will translate Adam as Adam and sometimes as man. But when we think about uh, man, uh, we think our, our word man, we think about Adam, um, the, 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 the man, uh, or the Greek would be anthropos. The, the, uh, so um, now, the first, the first horizon of this one. Yeah. Can I just make a comment? <clears throat> you know, we don't see the stars because of all of our light pollution. So you go out to a dark place, and <clears throat> when you see the stars, and they're magnificent, they saw the stars all the time like that. It was a reminder of, whoa, you know, what what it, what are we, you know, compared to this? So just have that thought. Yeah. Well, I kind of lose a, that. It's a, it's, a um, it's somewhat of the religious challenge of, of maybe it's metropolitan man, uh, that, yeah, we don't, the glory is we have, we built so much here that shines artificial light that we don't really get a chance to go look. You know, it's when you get away, you do it, but it's, it's, it's like, oh, let's go to the mountains and do this occasional thing, but it's all there. We just don't always see it. Right. So, um, uh, but it seems like this section has to do then with... Um, Moon, stars, that's all the, all God's creation. I think we're thinking at reflection on creation here and Genesis. And then man, so at the end of the Genesis account, uh, he creates man in his image. And so on one level, this meditation is, gosh, all this stuff. And then you, you've, you've, you've created man. What, did, what, what was given to man at creation, to Adam at creation? Dominion. Dominion. Yeah. <clears throat> Going to have uh, Connie. Go ahead and mute when you're not speaking. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the problem. Sorry. Um, 
So, even in the creation account, before we bring the Christological meaning into it, we've got this meditation on the grandeur of creation. And even Genesis is like, oh, then you created then this long string of everything, mm-hmm. this <coughs> man, and you give him dominion. Hmm. Hmm. What is man that you are mindful of the Son of Man that you visit him? Now, Son of Man does not apply to Adam. And that's what gives us our distinctly Christological, because mm-hmm. Son of Man is descendant of Adam. <clears throat> and um, so, even though these were all written many years prior to the birth of Christ, they still have reference to the God the incarnation. Well, I, I think we want to um, realize it, it, it's, it's, I think it's a more subtle truth than that. I think that the psalmist tradition somehow worrying around King David, who was, um, who, who was um, Messiah in, in a sense of anointed one, but was conscious that God had promised that of the fruit of your body, I'll set upon my throne. There's an enduring promise to David. And out of that, the idea that, 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 that somehow the promises of God will be fulfilled in the descendant. Um, and in the near term, that was Solomon. And for that brief moment, there's this glorious uh, fulfillment. But it never quite works out. So, um, And then there are meditations on who this um, person is that will do all these things. But... It will be someone holy, someone, um, uh, and again, the thing to say about son of man is that it's distinctly a human term, descendant of Adam. And it's, it's not um, the, um, well, we should probably, because it's important, you know, I, I feel like I'm always making people turn to this particular passage, but if you, <laughs> if you turn to um, Daniel, uh, chapter 7, which is uh, probably the Son of Man passage um, uh, that most informs this connection with divinity. Uh, and I'll just read it for you, you know, let's turn there if you want, where Daniel's having a vision of future kingdoms and beasts and things like that. And he, he, he says, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. A verse there which I believe is quoted in Luke's gospel in relation to Jesus. But we see in this Daniel passage um, the term son of man associated with the restoration of dominion. Because um, Daniel, uh, you can argue when Daniel wrote, but it was certainly later in the Old Testament, if you take the more uh, on the face chronology, it is Daniel writing 600 B.C. 
or so, or 500, late, early 500s. So, um, so the idea, and, and part of the, 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 um, the, the, the reality that, that's brought out in the New Testament about dominion is that Adam was given dominion, but, but by refusing to be faithful to the word of God and by listening to the voice of the serpent, a created being, rather than the word of God, he became not, not the Lord of creation, but the slave of creation. So that Adam, had, Adam began, and, and his said, became subject to created things, which is sort of the origin of idolatry. Uh, and and it and so our captivity to things and appetites and things like this speak of our fallen condition, to which then somehow we need to be restored to dominion. And this is caught up in the whole narrative of Israel. That well, how's this going to happen? Well, God makes a covenant with Israel, and this people will keep this covenant, and they will be able to restore dominion. But they're always falling into idolatry. They're always. What is the year that most of the, that the Psalms? What are we talking about? Clearly, there's a, a long, a large stretch, okay. um, and I don't think we can say that David is the originator of the entire idea of the Psalms. But David clearly is associated with with writing Psalms, and and clearly, uh, I think wrote some. So David is about it in, in about a thousand BC. So you're talking, and and then, but there are also psalms. It's clear that the tradition continues. So, for example, um, Psalm, I believe it's 137, says, "By the waters of Babylon we sat down and wept. We remember the Osai." And this is talking about the Babylonian captivity. This is 586 BC. So David's a thousand. There are clearly psalms that refer to events that are at least. 400 plus years later. So it's a, it's a tradition of Psalms. And I, I think we, we get tripped up in our um, contemporary thing about Bible must be written by one person at one time, every letter. And most of these documents had a, a tradition within the people of God of developing. And the inspiration is, is because God leaves the people of God to express, you know, uh, you know the, the the truth in in the writing of these things, and specifically in the psalm, it leads the people of God to um, process life through the narrative of faith in every generation. So this Daniel passage, Daniel uh, seven fourteen, one like the sun may restore to dominion. So. Um, <clears throat> Adam was given dominion, but he lost it. And the true dignity of the human condition is to have dominion, not to be a slave. And, and it'll help us when we're reading like St. Paul and being slaves to sin. Um, it means being slaves to our app, you know, world flesh devil is there's the enemies. It's just we see things we want, we have appetites to go for them. We have, you know, spiritual enemies as cheerleaders, and we do it, and we get stuck doing it, and we try to pull away from doing it. And um, Christ, the Son of Man, the Son of Adam, the, you could read it as the truly human one. Mm. Because I, th I think the, the, the problem sometimes with the idea of 
how sin and, and humanity and divinity as a people think, oh, well, to be human is to be weak and, and subject to things, so we need to be like God. But that's really a false reading. Um, Adam, when he sinned, became subhuman. And this is why in Daniel, I think this is instructive, in Daniel, um, Daniel has a vision of kingdoms, four kingdoms, which in a traditional interpretation are um, the Babylonian and then the uh, Medo-Persian and then the, um, the Greek and then the Roman. And they're represented by beasts in Daniel's vision. But, and, 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 the, and those kingdoms ruled by those beasts are contrasted by the, the kingdom established by one like the Son of Man. Mm. So when humans rule, fallen humans rule, they become subhuman and beastly. Mm. Just look around the world. Mm. Yeah, right. But <laughs> Jesus is the truly human one who rules in justice and righteousness, and, and it reflects a genuine humanity. So that's the, the Son of Man is really caught up in the idea that to be redeemed by Christ, yes, it is to share in his divinity, but true humanity always shared in his divinity because how was Adam created? In the image of God. It was never, humanity was never a thing that wasn't, that didn't reflect the divine. It wasn't eternally begotten like the divine because just chronologically only God could be in the beginning, you know. So, so, uh, I think that's this idea of dominion, and so human, human to be human is to be powerful, but it's also to learn to say yes and no. And this is a lot of, incidentally, when we talk about the spiritual life and spiritual disciplines and fasting and things like that, this is really what that stuff is all about. It's about fighting for our freedom. And to be free to do things, we have to be free not to do things. We have to be free to say to the serpent, no, I'm not going to take that now here, because that's not what God wants me to do. And what, what, but we're not. And so we got to work on that. We practice the no. So we develop the muscle memory. It's one of the foolishness the foolishnesses of, of our contemporary time that equates freedom with license, that I can do whatever I want. But you, you, you're not really as free as you think until you try to stop it. That's why when people get like the Lent, you know, I'm going to fast, just some small thing, just give up sweet bowls. Or, and then like two weeks in, it's like, you know, it's like, I can't, you know, you realize, oh, you're pretty attached to that thing, aren't you? You don't know you're attached to it. You don't know you're swimming with the current until you try to go upstream. And you're like, oh, this is, a, this is, a, so that's, we want, we're trying to regain dominion. Reardon's book on chapter eight, I love what he says here. Christ is no afterthought. He is the original meaning of humanity. Really good. And so Adam is a, Type mainly that, that in the narrative of scripture illustrates <clears throat> what happens when human beings don't obey and, 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 and become like little children. I think that, that's kind of interesting in the song here mouths of babes and sucklings. Okay. So, 
what is man, the mood, back to verse 3 and 4, uh, 4, what is man that you're mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. And the idea here is that um, uh, coming to the Son of Man, Christological interpretation, but it, it was, again, the vocation of Adam, but, but, but the really point in Christ is that in the incarnation becoming human, um, he is, he, he is made lower than the angels in, in mm. hierarchy. But that through his obedience unto death, even death on the cross, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name. So by the pathway of humility, we ascend to greatness. And th this is the, the message of the Christian life that we don't really embrace very readily. <laughs> um, that... The, the path to, to, to greatness is humility. He would be greatest, let him be the least. Oh, yeah, 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 but I want my recognition. Um, and it's not that um, it's not even that, well, if I can humble myself enough, then I'll get great so I don't have to be humble anymore. It is the very... Um, uh, sense of self that is able to be humble that contains greatness is because the one who made the whole world doesn't doesn't I can just become man and just if this is what need, there's not a whereas we would like okay I want you to go to some humble place to do something like then yeah we have it's our own human sense of pride and self that keeps us from humbling ourselves. To do what God calls us to do, but but Christ doesn't have that. He he, um, he 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 was able to assume all the lower places, as and 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 that's and and through obedience, there's a natural that makes him great. So even the angels go, "Wow, you and made it through this trial and were faithful." And the same thing, we're supposed to be that spectacle for angels. That that's what it's is a passage that I don't have in my mind, but it's in the Pauline epistles where he says, you know, that 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 that, might, that, that through us might be made known to the principalities and powers the wisdom of God. This is how I'm saving the world. Yeah, through these people. I have a, I have a question. Yeah, yours. I wrote down: uh, fasting is working to become human, to be regaining our dominion. Yes. Okay. Can can you be too attached to people? Not just absolutely. Not just things. Absolutely. So yes. that would that be a fasting as well? To to well, I mean, I, what I think about here is is you know Jesus said things like He loves son or daughter, father yeah, or mother more God. than me is not worthy of me. Mm -hmm. He wasn't saying you know be a bad you know. Right. I love Jesus more than you, so therefore I'm not going to love you like I'm supposed to. It's 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 more that um, we, I see this actually a lot in um, in our culture. Uh, somebody once called it the idolatry of the family, uh, where 
you know, the Christian family that's the most important thing. Well, Christian family is important that we that we have that we support people who make commitments, but it's not the most important thing. The kingdom is the most important thing, and and families work best when every member of it is first devoted to the kingdom, and then their own their own role in the family is a subset of that's exactly what happens in the epistles when Saint Paul starts listing out the house rules. It's like you're a witness for the kingdom. That's why you order it this way. When you order it this way, you might not get what you want. You might not get happiness. You might not get, but you'll be witnesses for the kingdom. So order it this way. So, uh, and then with relationships, sometimes, you know, the, the, um, sometimes we need things. And this is a, this is a nuance I want to say here that, um, we do need people. We are a community of, of a church. We need each other. We can't live all alone. But then there are unhealthy attachments um, where um, we do things in order to get things that we're not aware of, and and um, and this is that, that you know that that um, that we might want to look at it and get a little distance from and. Why am I doing? Why am Why am I doing this thing I'm doing? Um, and then sometimes you know, we have emotional attachments where they can be slightly unhealthy. A little distance is always good. Uh, you know, now in that book, um, the Living Reminder talks about the, you know, the the rhythm of of presence and absence. Yes. You know that that I think we're best in relationship. We're together. Maybe have some time. We come back together. And the time away is time to remember who we are. And we need that prayerful recollection to enter back into relationship in ways that connect in a healthy way. And we, we don't do that. We tend to over, over attach. And, um, so I think absolutely that's it. And I would say it's not so much I'm going to fast because there, there's a lot of ways that can go wrong in our own self justification. There's a lot of ways that we can, yeah. I find out you're unhealthy for me. I'm going to fast from you. You know, it's like, okay, time out. You know, let's, let's, let's. So, it, and this is where when we do these kind of things, getting some good spiritual counsel is really helpful. You know, ask someone else. And that's why it's really significant to submit ourselves to someone else's judgment. What do you see here? And when they tell us, I don't really see what you see. I see something else. You know, and, and if that becomes something that's clear, um, we can um, enjoy okay because we don't always see it so well. We 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 might just be giving 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 and think we're the you know we're the Mother Teresa of this situation, <laughs> and 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 yet we might be what we call overfunctioning or or um, in the systems theory terms you know we are overfunctioning leading to an unhealthy thing for the person involved. So sometimes. Sometimes I think in relationships I've realized I, I, I have to realize this that that when a demand is made or a request is made, sometimes the healthiest thing is to say not now, maybe next week, or just let you know because this anxious need to always solve the problem is more about our anxiety than it is about the thing. Um, so does that make any sense? Any other thoughts about yeah, that? That's yeah, a pretty good sense. Yeah. I, it would also um, pertain to the human tendency to want to make another human the end of life and not God. 
and uh, we are, uh, so that's where the over-the-top songs about love and marriage, where you're my all and be all, is like, oh, that's a scary, that's a scary thing, because first of all, you're going to lose it someday, and second of all, when you're that attached to something, you're likely to, you know, um, love amiss, shall we say. So um, you've made him a little lower than ancient, crowned with glory and honor. And prophetically, this has to do with um, Christ, who came lower of the angels, and now through his his obedience unto death is now crowned with glory and honor. <clears throat> you have made him to have dominion over the work of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Um, <clears throat> that actually is a is alluded to directly in um, 1 Corinthians 15 comes to mind here. Magically find the verse where that's going to be flummoxing. 27. 27. 1527. Good cross-reference is always helpful, although I find that my cross-references never cross-reference the book I'm looking to. So he says, um, and we talk about the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, St. Paul writes, for for he, meaning Christ, must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. He has put all things under his feet when he says all things put under him. And this is the New Testament assuming that Psalm 8 Mm -hmm. refers to Jesus. It's also that's an interesting uh, question there that he's reigning now, but but it's not um, there, during his something being accomplished by his current rule. He's in the process of putting all things under his feet, and this is the mystery of our redemption because we would say, well, I'm seeing the news. <laughs> that's right. How's this happening? But. Um, it's the same thing as on Good Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, this seems like a really bad way to save the world, but Christ is working somehow to accomplish his new creation um, until at last he will destroy the last enemy, First Corinthians says, of death. It's six through eight could also be talking about Adam too, having dominion yeah. over all things in the in the garden. Right. Right. So let's go on. So you've made him the meaning of the work your hands, you put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, mm-hmm. even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish in the sea, the paths of the paths of the sea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's that's getting back to the to the vocation given to Adam, but it is ultimately fulfilled in Christ. In Christ. So because Adam um you could say he, he was given that vocationally, but you can't say that that dominion played itself out. Now, there is a way, of course, and this, this is just the nature of the world, that, that we do have dominion over these things. In other words, we control, we can control animals and, and, and we can tell them what to do uh, unless we're in the wilds where there are lions and things like that. There's much dominion there. Um, so, it's, it's not that in through sin, uh, man 
fallen man has lost all dominion. It's that it's a um, flawed and imperfect dominion in which we have some control and yet are also subject to. Corrupted dominion. But the, so the thing I think for us to think about when we when we when we um, reflect on so this psalm is in first instance has Adam and the creation in mind, but but looks at the completion of that creation in Christ. But then, as we talked about the psalms, we're baptized into Him. And so we read these Christologically, which means, and, and one of the things that comes um, um, in the New Testament promises is, is that we will reign with Christ. Um, how can you think of uh, um, how is that expressed? There, I, I, maybe the passages aren't obvious enough, but. For example, in um, in uh, in Revelation, uh, when Saint John is having this vision in Revelation, um, God gave John a revelation. He sent it by an angel, and John received this from the angel. Uh, and so John writes, uh, 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 begins the letter by, by saying, To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. So we can understand that kings relates to dominion, right? right. Where we're ruling with him. What are some of the implications of how do we rule with him? This is actually a very, and that might be something for us to, to reflect on here and maybe fleshing out the psalm a little bit about our dominion. How do we exercise that dominion? And for those of you who might have some familiarity with Revelation, how, how do those who have been made kings and priests primarily exercise that dominion in Revelation? Give glory to God. Um, okay, so articulate that out some more. What are they doing when we first see them? Are they witnesses? Are they witnesses? Uh, they, 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 um, they, they will be witnesses. What are they first doing when we see them in are Revelation? Falling down on their faces. Okay. Where are they? In, in, up in the throne room. Ah, okay, and so they're, 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 um, they're involved. They're, they're praying. They're worshiping God mm, yeah. and they're praying to God. And this uh, um, the scene in Revelation where they're kings and priests um, starts with a, a scene of worship that very much harkens into our Eucharistic worship in the church, where the four and twenty elders are gathered around the throne, and then the revelation of the Lamb as though it has been slain, and and so there's a, a praising of God for his redemption. Uh, that he offers, and then 
throughout Revelation that, that there are golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So the first part of worship, uh, or of dominion, is praise, worship, and intercession. And, and so that's where the priestly role and the kingly role kind of overlap. That, um, that, uh, and this is something that actually is caught up in the Eucharistic vocation because um, if we, we, I think we talked about this um, some recent piece, but um, in the beginning when Adam abdicated his vocation, uh, he as um, Father Schmemann says in his book For the Life of the World, um, <clears throat> if, if his vocation was kingly and priestly, the kingly was to have dominion, the priestly was to take the creation God had given him and offer it back to God in thanksgiving. And then having offered it in thanksgiving, it would then be free for him to use as a means of communion with God. But in the... Um, Paul, what he did was take the one thing in creation for which he could not give thanks and partook of it. So he, 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 he abandoned his priestly role, not only his kingly role, but his priestly role. Um, and so the restoration of that is that um, it is a priestly role where we are continually, this is why the that St. Paul continues says things like giving thanks always in all things unto God. Because we're always to take life and offer it back to God in thanksgiving. And when the creation is offered back to God in thanksgiving, it's restored to its right place and it becomes a means of union, communion with God. So when the, the elders in Revelation are, they're offering the creation back to God. They've been restored in that proper um, place. We as a church, we gather Eucharistically to offer to God the, the, the creation symbolized by the bread and the wine. We are being restored, and that which is offered comes back to us as a means of union, communion. And we also, in that role, we, we intercede for, for the world. And this is, this is so I, I don't think we neatly separate the um, kingly and the priestly. They're sort of intertwined roles. Mm -hmm. But through our prayer, our prayers there are part of our dominion because we have our greatest influence over the world when we live in communion with God by consistently taking our lives and offering them back to God in thanksgiving so that we are in that space of harmony and communion. And then when we go out, I think the witness role comes from that. Then we're, we, we, we are witness to, to something else in the world. We're a witness to the kingdom because we've touched it and seen it and tasted it. And then we're witnesses, but you can't circumvent. And this is why when we're talking about dominion, taking dominion, um, modern Western Christians greatly overprivilege the idea of, of pro productive good works at the expense of worship and prayer. And so what always happens is, like, what's your church doing? Well, it's feeding, we feed a hundred people. We boxed up so many things and sent them out. We, okay, good, good, good. But it's not that those things are wrong or shouldn't be done. They're just, they, but, but, let me put it this way, but absent 
absent that rootedness in worship and connection and communion and restoration, they can become motivated by see how much we're doing. Look what's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, they, and all the human motive comes in. Yeah. The, the proper form of witness is it's simply freely given without any regard for the result of the thing. Now, there's a little nuance there. Obviously, um, if we give, we want something to, you know, to, to have a positive impact. If we know that giving is unhealthy, it won't help somebody, we're not going to do that. But there's not, we're not going to, um, not all forms of giving are because um, we're going to uh, expect some particular outcome for which, you, you know, so we just give. The fact is, when you give, let's say, <clears throat> let's say you, you invest in someone's life because you, you feel compelled to help, and uh, you invest and you give and you love, and then down the road they just say, the heck with you, I'm out of here. What you should say is, this is what God called me to do. Okay. You're, the giving is an expression of who you are. It's not a manipulative thing to get this person to behave the way you want. You'd like them to have the good result from it, but there's that subtle distinction between how giving become caught up in merely human motives, and our motive for giving in the kingdom is is most purely because it's who we are. What would we do but love? And if love's unreciprocated, it wouldn't stop us from loving. Um, there is, again, I want to be clear here that there's a wisdom to love, so we might decide that, you know, we will direct it a little differently, or if someone's been irresponsible, we might exercise love by saying, no, I'm not, I'm not going to give this time. I want, you know, if, if you, if you're, but it's always, we're trying to love. We're not trying, we're trying to think what is good and best. How, how are we best witnesses for Christ in the world? And that witness is never assessed solely by what it accomplishes in time. And the way this is made the clearest is by the, the, the root Greek word of witness is martyr. So the martyr is the clearest witness and gets nothing from it in time. In fact, loses everything in time by the witness. And the more free we are to do the good without a need for a result, the clearer we are to, to real union, communion with God. And that's a hard, you know, think about that, you know. It's and, and yeah, it's all our you know our our uh, even our friendships, our marriages, all these things like where we're usually giving like wow, okay, they'll see that right, and they'll want to do this for me right, or they'll see that right, and I'll be told. And paradoxically, for that, actually, Jesus, um, you know, said, "No, it's your left hand. No, it's your right hand is doing." Because there's 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 a reality to this in terms of the economy of the kingdom that if you do good things and get all kinds of plaques and rewards, well, there's your reward. Mm-hmm. So I, I you'd rather have like the un unrecompensed reward where you're you're laying up treasures in heaven because you're doing it, you know, because because that's when the secrets of the heart are revealed. So so um, ruling with Christ, therefore, is um, caught up in this prayerful priestly role and this that brings the union communion and then our, our dominion is to be able to um, 
live in the world in relationship to things with self-control so that we we are they don't control us we can we can we can we can control and that's we kind of you know that's just a, a discipline we're supposed to, and sometimes that comes out it's like you're not supposed to enjoy things well i think you know our tradition in particular the english tradition is 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 full of the tradition of enjoying things but i i think if you'll look at your own life uh I'll certainly understand mine that when i am able to maintain a sense of um self-control they're more enjoyable and there's also a psychological dimension to that too because um when we're not in it kind of goes like this i think if you see if this makes sense um when we really are in a sense of connection to god through our prayer um this means there are any challenges in life when we're in a sense of connection to god in our prayer and then we go into things um we don't need the things to be more than they are out of my connection i can go do my work and i feel called to do this i can do the good work to the glory of god and then i can take a break okay i'm take a break and you know have a you know have a beer or something like that and i just enjoy it as a gift this is a great thing god gives me to the extent that our our we get distant from god from our prayer we get that um that's sort of the root of anxiety like there's something wrong we're, we're distant from god we're like yeah we need hiding from god over the bushes because we're distant and and then we go to things and and work become some of those compulsivities come out in our work we start doing work to i need someone to tell me i'm great so i can fulfill this need to be great or or when i go over to enjoy myself but you know the the eating or the consumption becomes excessive i can't say no cuz i have to so there's a correspondence between um connection to god and i also think i would say in this there's also correspondence between communal connection because i do think that that healthy connection with god is is uh i mean there are hermits and there are people who are called to live in solitaries that's not many of us that we really do need a connection with people with those deep meaningful relationships where i don't need and when i don't have those i tend to fill it in with some other things you know i i really think a lot of the um the issues of our time like you know the the, the great uh, you know, pornography problem and a lot of the addictions are um are uh in 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 some lar- in some large measure due to communal alienation where I'm I'm cut off from meaningful connection and sometimes that's generational because people repeat behaviors from from families that were cut off and they cut off until they're healed. I remember a thing Bruce Deacon Bob gave me a I I wish I always I looked for I couldn't find it again but it was like a laboratory rat study for rats they always get the the worst of everything but um they had put a like a bottle that had like a uh you could they could go get hit hair from this bottle it feels good even for rats temporarily and but the study was between um uh, a community of the rats who were able to put together in a type of meaningful interaction community and then they isolated some rats and they found that the isolated ones became addicted but the ones with the community didn't even go ask didn't even go hit it mm-hmm. so 
something like that was the so, gist of it. But I think I think I find we're healthy interacting with others in community. Then the things we we enjoy can be enjoyed, but they're not an end. And when I'm cut off and I'm feeling lonely, empty, I go run to things, whether it be work or drugs, and I, I need more. And that's the way that we're subject to the creation and not having dominion over it. And this is why that um, we can't even begin to talk about this dominion without the rootedness in connection to Jesus, who is Lord and has dominion. We only have dominion in him. And, and this is actually gets back to uh, that, uh, um, I think, one of my favorite passages in the New Testament, Romans 8, which talks about life and the spirit. Um, and it has one line here that this struck me in the last couple of years um, that says, um, it says, it's kind of a thick line, but I'll just read it and then I'll tell you what I'm thinking. For, the, for what, the, what the Torah could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. And here's the, 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 the line that doesn't follow from that. That the righteous requirements of the law or Torah might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So the idea there is that Jesus conquered all these things and then gave us the baptismal gift of the spirit so that we can live in the spirit in a way that can begin to fulfill the law but only in the spirit only in connection with jesus and one another we can begin to rise above that neediness and emptiness and consumption into love and that's why but it's always connected to walking in the spirit which is which we would call euphemism for life of prayer and i also think life for in community which means um community is a a um you know, a thing that gets thrown around a lot, but I think it means we need to, we, we do need to be part of the body. To be members of the body of Christ means to be a functional member of a body of Christ in which we have some real interaction. And then there are kind of concentric circles of closeness we have. We're not close with every single person in the church, although there's a general burden of love. But there are people which we genuinely, generally close with. <clears throat> and then there are people we should be really close with. And most of us will have you know, we're lucky we've had two to four of those. <clears throat> but there's a sense of real sharing of the struggle of faith and life together where we're, and, and that's, a, that's, that's living in, that's part of living in the spirit. We're connected. And, and uh, we're still primarily connected to Jesus, but we, it's, when we share this together, it strengthens us for the battle. And that's how we, then we can live in the spirit. Mm-hmm. I think the more we get this connection from God in our prayer and others in, accountability and support. And accountability is not just what you, what you do, it's just that realizing that I think accountability also has to do with this idea, and this is more, a better way to put it, not like, um, you know, we're just going around what you do, I, I saw you do that kind of thing. Or I, was, I remember some men who used to go to these things called accountability groups, which sounded dreadful to me. Um, <laughs> sound like you'd come in and all the, you know, but, but it's, I, I think accountability ultimately is that we are actually for living for each other in the body of Christ in the sense that my sin isn't just about me. It's about a weakness. And so why should I, I, um, 
not do this. Well, God will punish you all. Okay, that's fine. That might not be enough. But maybe maybe if um, the body, the whole body is made weaker, mm. I'm accountable to everyone because I, I, I want to be a meaningful member of the body, which means I must, I just, I, that's part of the submission that we talk about <laughs> is that uh, I must yield something of what I would do in my complete and total autonomy in order to be part of this thing, we all mutually give and receive. And and so I think that's uh, that's a little bit of a digression from the idea of dominion, but it's I think it's intricately tied to it because dominion can be merely conceptual unless we tie it in the fullness of life in Christ through which we are restored to health and wholeness, and then to which we can practice the kind of things that are, that pertain to you know priesthood and kingship. Any thoughts about that? Speechless. Either, no, no either it's like that was great, or one's going to be over. Maybe. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> so um, I, w- I will tell you all that uh, next week you will have Father Hayden. Hmm. I'm flying to Colorado next Thursday. Oh, God willing. Right. Uh, I'm flying to Northern California this weekend, and right. Mimi, can you, Mimi can hear me? I'm going to go see Mimi on Sunday. Uh-huh. We're going to go uh, where she's staying. We'll go to the bar for dinner. Mm. Whoa. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday? On Sunday. Oh! Yes. Oh. Oh. I'm going to visit St. Joseph Parish on the drive up, so I'll see Mimi on Sunday. So I'm looking forward to it up there. But I won't be here next. The, the Bible study will happen next Thursday. Father Hayden will lead it. He's going to go on to Psalm 9. And maybe 10. Um, <laughs> no, I'm going to Let's see. Let's see. We didn't actually finish eight. Oh, oh, there's one last oh, verse. Oh, Lord, our Lord. <laughs> it ends verse. the same way at the end. Yeah, which is yeah. interesting. Let's make, a closing, let's make a closing observation on that. On that, yes. And and so what he's kind of doing there, isn't he, is is he's begun in contemplation and he ends in contemplation of mm-hmm. wow, look what you've done. And I would I would um for us for a reflection on that, we might think about um sometimes people say, I don't believe in a God who's doing this, this, I don't believe in a God this, that, and it's like, wait a minute. We believe in a God who's redeeming this whole thing, and we don't even know how. We all can see it mm-hmm. in, the, in the person of our Lord, the experience in our life, and it's like, oh, there's things that we don't know about. So I think the meditation on this is, is wow, God's saving this. And um, we see the virtues of faith and hope and love that, that conquer the worldly, you know, uh, doubt and, and despair and mm-hmm. get so caught up in, in our own little things. Um, that doesn't mean there aren't some painful things in the world, but what can we do about that? We can pray, but we can love as best we can. Um, it's sad. It's, it's, this, this, what, what, what I think the turmoil of the world does is also get us to, this is a fallen temporary world. Always has been. Great temptation in the West is to try to make this the end point. Here's the thing, because I know. So it always reminds us.
There we are. All right. Let's pray. Lord, bless us and keep us. The Lord, make his face to shine upon us be gracious unto us. The Lord, lift up his countenance upon us and give us peace this day and forevermore. Amen. 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 With you all. Hey, Nancy. Thank you. So Robert, Robert. Jim and Phyllis. Constance. Joan. Um, <laughs> Everybody. Everybody. Constance, yes. Yeah, all you here in person, too. Yeah, thank you so much. Sounds <laughs> good to have you here. Yeah. I think this would be a class that would be.